This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. Hey, I'm Doug Huntington. Doug, what are we going to talk about today? It is about trying things outside your comfort zone and uh, even things that scare you. So I took some dance lessons and that's what we're going to get into. But before we get into all those scary details. What's new? I haven't seen you in a bit. You were uh, on vacation. I've been telling people that you burned all your days of PTO and you just called in sick and didn't show up one day. So that wasn't 100% true, but yeah, what's been going on? You got a new house, you're on vacation. I don't know. Yeah, we were in Oregon for a while. Then the kid came down with COVID. We rushed home, but then she finished up her quarantine period, which I don't think is even a thing anymore. I think the CDC did away with that. But anyway, she quarantined. She was fine. So then we continued on with the second part of our vacation, which was California. So our original plan was to drive from Oregon to California. And instead, we drove home because of COVID. But then we flew back out to California and were able to do that part in Pismo Beach and Morro Bay, which was quite lovely and cool. I don't think we ever saw a temperature above 70 at Pismo Beach, which I quite like. That's awesome. That was a popular vacation spot for Bugs Bunny, if I remember right. (laughs) That's exactly right. I used to watch that cartoon and I don't remember that, but you are the third person who has mentioned that to me. Oh yeah. You don't remember that one. Uh, I don't know why I do, because I probably haven't seen it in 35 years or something like that. Yeah. So I guess you would pop up out of the ground and when he popped up, you would pop up in Pismo Beach or something like that. I don't know. Matt G explained the whole thing to me, but apparently it wasn't important enough for me to remember. Gotcha. Yeah. And then me, I've been um, working on the house a little bit, actually on the yard. So did a bunch of uh, um, xeriscaping, I believe is how you pronounce it. We may even do an episode on that. So people, you know, if you're interested in hearing about ripping out sod and putting stone in there. Um, that's what I did. So that, that took a lot of work and it was, it was hot. It was like the days when you were gone. So it was like a hundred degrees here and you were at the beach and it was only 70. That sounds like pure torture. I, I hate being outside when it's that warm. I just resigned to myself that it's just going to, it's going to be a little rough. And I was like, the neighbors think I'm nuts because I was out there working all day. Um, so for some reason, I thought that was cool. I don't know. Did you have one of those hats with like the umbrella over it, like you wear it on your head and then it's got this big colorful like disc on top of your head to block <laughs> the sun? I should have. I, I wore my, uh, you know, my uh, hiking cowboy hat. Yeah. Um, I wore that, but it sort of stretched a little bit. I guess all the sweat and the heat. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try to get in, in touch with the company to see if there's something I could do. Like maybe I wet it and then let it dry in the sun and then it'll shrink back. I don't think my head got smaller, but something changed. So yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway. So we're talking about doing things that, uh, that scare you, terrify you. In fact. Yeah. Uh, when I think about this topic, I always think of Alan Donegan, who's got a great quote. And I think it goes, everything you want is outside of your comfort zone. 
Which is so true because if if you think about life, anything that's worthwhile is going to take effort and work. If if you want to get stronger, you're going to have to lift weights and stretch your muscles. That's uncomfortable. If you want to become a better runner, you better get your ass out there and run. If you want to learn an instrument or learn calculus, you're going to have to study it. It's definitely, it's not the same as sitting on a couch. So yeah, outside your comfort zone is where it's at for personal growth. Yeah. And with... With that sort of opening, um, it makes me think about taking the dance lessons. And my my goal certainly uh, wasn't to become a great dancer or anything like that. So, or I didn't even have the desire to do it um, specifically. So you're like, why the fuck did you take dance lessons? So it, it was a gift for my wife. So it was her, her birthday gift, and it it took me a little while to. Um, schedule everything. So it's been in the making for a few months. I think I even mentioned to you like, Hey, we may take some dance lessons. And yeah, so I, I knew that she wanted and would enjoy taking dance lessons. And it's a slightly, slightly embarrassing thing about my, uh, maybe coordination or something like that. But she would occasionally, like if uh, there's music on the TV or we're listening to music, she's like, hey, let's dance for a minute. And I couldn't do anything. I would like try to dance with her and I would just like move my arms around. Like, you know, when a toddler is learning to walk and you think it's like, oh, they're about to fall down and, you know, it's just not working out. That's kind of how I dance. If you I, can imagine that. I so would like to see this. Do you care to do anything right now for the YouTube audience? No, I mean, it's mostly a podcast, so we gotta. I have to honor that. But we I, we can video some sometime. Uh, I'm not much of a solo dancer. So if you want to see me dance, you're going to have to... Can you play the lady? Um, negative. <laughs> okay. So... I lost my train of thought a little. Oh yeah. So basically uh, very, very low coordination. And she was like, come on, you got to try. And I'm like, I'm literally trying. Like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with my arms or legs. And the, the timing was off. And she's like, well, you, you play the guitar. Like you have some timing. What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't have like, I don't have that skill set of dancing. Like you, people aren't, as far as I know, people aren't born like dancing. I don't know. So what have you done when you've been invited to a wedding and they have a dance floor? Have you had to deal with that? Because I can't stand that. I, I, I absolutely hate dancing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even more than you. And I cannot stand that situation. Okay. He's like, oh, let's do it. Da, da, da. As far yeah. as I can tell, she's pretty good at it. And I'm the opposite. I um, So I think, well, it's been a while, number one. But yeah, I mean, I think typically I would avoid the dance floor or just kind of, you know, go out in sort of a group and just kind of move around a little bit and just kind of blend in, you know. Um, and I'm trying to think of like just other – and I'm, I think probably there were, there were times where uh, there was uh, some slow dancing so I could just like sway and kind of like fake your way through it even though you don't know what the fuck's going on, right? Yeah, so what did you do? Um, I kind of said, well, if you want to go up there, maybe you can find someone else or drink alcohol and that helps lube the legs up a little bit, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah. or yeah, the slow song, I'm looking at the disco ball again for YouTube viewers with, there is a disco ball in our studio. Have you practiced at home and used the disco ball yet? Like shine a spotlight <laughs> on it? We, we haven't, but yeah, we do have some lights down here too. So the mood could be just right. Yeah, you, you should do it, make it super dark, and then it doesn't matter what you're doing. 
set the night to music or whatever that fucking song is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like to your point, like weddings, like always nervous. And it's like, oh, I hope I don't have to dance. I don't know what I'm doing. And yeah, it was just like kind of an embarrassment because you don't know what to do. And, you know, it could be a situation where you may have to be in front of people. Of course, no one's really paying attention to you. They're worrying about themselves or hopefully um, looking at their dance partner, you know. So no one's really paying attention to you. So it doesn't really matter that much. But still, you don't know what to do and you feel a little just awkward. It feels yeah. awkward and it's embarrassing. And I don't know why. Like, um, I felt that way. Maybe through... Uh, teasing when you were a kid or something I, I don't know anything specific do you have do you have any insight on your issue i don't know i think it's the fear that everyone is looking at you but you made a good point there doug and that i think we humans often think that and no one gives a shit they're all just worried about themselves and no one is actually looking at you but I, I do have a bad story i was at a wedding once with a with a past girlfriend and she's like oh let's go out there so i'm out there and and this cameraman comes and starts like filming me. So I just start shaking her out and I hear her behind me say, stop it, stop it now, stop it, stop it now. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus. So yeah, maybe that's part of my problem. I have uh, PTSD from that person in my life who was yeah, not good. Yeah, well, and I mean, you think nobody's paying attention, but then every now and then you make it on camera. Yeah, I'm on some <laughs> someone's VHS tape somewhere in someone's basement right now. If uh, anyone has that footage, please don't post it to YouTube. But how has your experience gone with, with the class? It's good. It's actually been a lot of fun. So um, not an endorsement or anything, but I'll mention the company. It's Arthur um, Murray is the name of the company. And I think it's a franchise. So there's locations all over the world. I think it's been around for many years and they have like a, a very, very good sort of sales funnel. So it's a pretty cheap for the intro um, package. So it's like two private lessons with your partner and then two group lessons. And then after the group lesson, there's like group dance where you could practice and, and switch partners too. So it's good to practice with other people so that you are, I guess you're, you get used to just like interacting and dancing with people that do it different than your partner. So that has been helpful. And it was, it was a little scary, um, you know, going in there, but it's a private lesson. So there's not really any people around or they're taking their own lesson. And the instructors are so positive and they really go slow. And that is probably for people like you and I who can barely, you know, get one foot in front of the other. We can't count to four, stuff like that. So they're asking a lot of questions to make sure you, you know, you're in a good, a good spot and you understand what you're doing. And it's just very positive. Again, back to the toddler um, analogy. It's like they're teaching a kid and they're like, everything good? You know, you're doing so great. Like every amazing, like I can't believe the progress you're making. So, you know, they treat you, they treat you like a little kid, which uh, in that case was good. Cause you know, you're coming in and I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so it, it worked out pretty good. And yeah, I'll pause there. Any thoughts on that? I'm curious. You mentioned something I'm interested in, or I'd like to hear more about. You mentioned that you swapped partners. Was that intimidating? Like I could, I could see you swap partners. There's a new person. Maybe you're not able to perform after that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, good phrasing on that one. And 
the first group class that we went to, I didn't want to switch partners because I, I knew like, even though I, I did so well in the individual lesson, of course, sar sarcasm there. Um, I was like, I don't, I don't want to dance with someone who's more like a lot more advanced and you know, that'll be bad, but even worse, I was like, what if it's a beginner and they don't know what they're doing either. And they paid good money just like we did. I don't want to like dance with someone who does like, like I don't want someone who, who needs a more qualified partner to end up dancing with me. And they're like, that dude was so weird. And <laughs> yeah, so I didn't switch partners the first time. The next time we did after I saw like how the group classes were. And I just, I was like, okay, that'll be cool. I was pretty nervous, um, but it turned out fine. So one of the things when you switch partners, there's some instructors in the mix so they can help you out even more. And, you know, they, they're instructors. So they know, um, like they can sort of gauge your, your skill level and your speed and what you're doing and coach you along. Um, so that's really helpful. Um, there was one person that, um, we didn't vibe together so well. So I think I switched with maybe six partners or something like that. And one of them didn't work out well. And it was like partially timing and just like sort of the movement was awkward. And um, it just, I mean, everything was fine. Uh, we shook hands and walked away and everything was cool. It was just like, you know, two minutes of dancing or something like that. Typically they get you to switch partners like before a full song is up. So it moves quick. Um, but yeah, it didn't work out. She probably thought the same of me. Although when I looked around, um, it looked like everyone was having a little trouble with it. I don't know. It was just like she was a half a beat behind or I was half a beat ahead. Like there was something weird going on. But you just, you know, you keep going and it was fine. Okay. And it sounds like Elizabeth started out at a higher skill level than you. How did that progress? Did you, if if she's already pretty good, you might've improved a lot more and come closer to her level of skill. What happened there? Yeah, I, I far surpassed her in just two lessons. No, just kidding. Well, she had um, years of dance classes from when she was a kid. So there's like a completely different skill level. She is actually um, still far more advanced. And when we would go into lessons in the group lessons specifically, there was quite a bit of like review. So I thought that's great. I need this review to help reinforce like the different dances. Like uh, I think we did Roomba swing, um, Foxtrot, a couple others. Can't remember the, some of the others, but we did several and it was great for me to see him again she didn't need to see him again for some reason. Like she just remembered them and she wants to go faster. So I would probably need to take like a few lessons per week for like a couple months to get to a point where she was like, all right, this is good. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's like any, anything where you have to develop skills. It's pretty, um, I mean, it takes a while. Like I just needed more time on my feet and just like repetition, repetition. Like, I think that's how I learn, especially like, uh, with coordination, which, you know, another thing I want to highlight with the whole experience is it was challenging, especially with the coordination and like learning different steps. I mean, nothing's too complicated. Everything was in, you know, four, four times. So really you just count to four, there's four steps, like pretty straightforward, but you have to go the right direction. 
your timing has to be like on point and you have to work with a partner. So even if you sort of had it down, like you still have to work with someone else, which makes it a little different. It is not like physically challenging, like where I worked up a sweat or anything specifically, but the coordination and then thinking about like what you have to do, like pretty demanding. Like I, I was fairly like drained um, finishing up because I was really concentrating hard. And I think uh, <laughs> the first in the first lesson, Elizabeth just started laughing hysterically because I was concentrating so hard and she was just like laughing at me. And I think I was like staring at her and she could just see like the wheels turning, the hamster running as fast as it could up there in my brain. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty tough, but everyone, like the instructors were welcoming all the other people in the group classes are just like, they're all trying to learn as well. And they started from like zero. So, I mean, it, it felt pretty good. It's a pretty friendly group overall. So now have you taken dance classes before? You said you hated it, right? Uh, I did. When I was younger, I took uh, swing dance lessons. It kind of, I, I think that thing kind of had a resurgence in popularity maybe 25 years ago. So yeah, we would take swing dance lessons in Chicago. It wasn't, I, I didn't really want to learn how to swing dance. I wanted to uh, meet women. So that was the reason behind that, trying to find a life partner, which I was not successful. <laughs> did you, was the dancing part pretty fun? Like, how did that go? Um, it actually was pretty fun. It was a lot more fun than I thought it would be. And the cool thing about that is they're like, okay, we're going to go for eight classes. And then at the end, they're having this big swing event at this place in Chicago. And the guy, what's that band, the Stray Cats? Oh, God, I can't. Uh, Brian Seltz. Yeah, that guy. Seltzer? Yeah, sets or something like that. But anyway, they had a big event where he was there and he had an orchestra there. Yeah, it was pleasant. That was the last time I ever did it in my life, but it was cool. Do you think you could pick it back up pretty pretty easy? I think I could, but it's very simple. At least the, uh, yeah, the steps are pretty simple. I can't, I'm very uncoordinated, no motor skills. Uh, so I need simplicity if I'm going to do something like that. So you said you could pick it up. Again, pretty easy. I think um, the the bad thing is like you go to a lot of events. So it's almost certain people are going to be like, hey, Carl, let's dance. Let's do some swing. I, Doug, I don't think that's ever going to happen. What what event would we go to where they have dancing? Whatever event it is, I'm going to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think anywhere there's music, you can dance. And, and don't you know our listeners, man? Like you're like, oh, I don't think it'll ever happen. Now it now it will almost certainly happen if you're like challenging them. So maybe we should have a dance off at like threes downtown. It's this classy bar in Longmont where sometimes people get stabbed and disappear. But yeah, we'll we'll class it up. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll we'll put on some uh, stray cats and then someone's gonna walk up to you, like take your hand. Okay, so I talked about. My challenging thing, any um, recent scary things that you've done, things outside your comfort zone, stuff like that? Uh, well, my big one you were at that was speaking at Economy. There was about, I think, five to 600 people in the audience. So that was a pretty big challenge and probably the biggest challenge of my life so far. Awesome. Yep. And you you have mentioned a couple of times, like you were, you were pretty nervous to do very small, like informal speaking gigs, even, you know, 10 or 15 people, right? 
like way back in the beginning of the speaking journey for you. Yeah, that's right. I think back maybe three or four years ago, I was invited to speak at CSU, which I did not want to do, but I volunteered to get outside my comfort zone. There was only, there wasn't even 15 people there, I don't think. And I was terrified. My leg was shaking. It was absolutely, I don't think I gave a great talk. It was horrible. And then I wasn't really, I was a little bit nervous for the 500 people, but I was much less nervous for 500 than I was for 12 or whatever it was the first time. And the whole getting outside your comfort zone, I'm a better person for it. I'm more confident. I've got a new skill I can use. And yeah, I'm so thankful I did it. Awesome. Yeah. And the final portion here is things that we're considering and we're not going to hold each other to it. It's just like, ah, there's some stuff where it's like, ah, it could be interesting to try. So what are some things in the future that you may give a shot that are pretty far outside your comfort zone right now? Yeah. So I've always enjoyed playing musical instruments, although I'm not that good. I'd like to play the guitar or piano in public, perhaps even with you, Doug. Uh, Spanish, I'm learning that and I've hit it hard and heavy. I took a little bit of a break, but it's intimidating to go to a foreign country, especially Spanish. It seems like people talks faster. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it's intimidating to go up there and try to speak it. And the third one, I was talking to someone at Cat Mustache and he's like, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to push myself out of my comfort zone by doing stand-up comedy. And I actually have a note on my phone with all these things I think would be funny and that I could develop into a stand-up comedy routine. So I told this guy, his name was Sean, like, you know, if you ever work up the courage to do it, I'll do it with you. I'll open up for you. It might only be like five or 10 minutes, but that is probably the most difficult and hardest one, but I would definitely do it if I had the opportunity. How how about you, Doug? Yeah. You took the first one I listed, which is stand-up. I've been huge fan of comedy since I was a kid and Definitely seems in, like very intimidating, but since I have done a little bit more speaking, like it seems more approachable now, even though it's a much different kind of, uh, you know, performance, I guess, but it does, it does seem pretty interesting. And same, same deal. I have like several little sort of ideas and Elizabeth and I even talk about like putting it in our quote tight 10 or tight five to do like an open mic. And we probably have, I mean, we have a shitload of ideas. So, I mean, really, if we tried to develop a couple of them, like I bet it would do okay. That said, who the fuck knows, right? Like it's really tough. You never know how it's going to turn out. But the other is uh, music open mics. So that that seems more more approachable um, since I don't have, you wouldn't have to talk, you know? <laughs> and then... The last one that I wrote, which is kind of weird, but I wrote uh, talking more to strangers in random situations where it's slightly out of place. Like maybe, you know, especially nowadays, like a line, like if you're waiting at the grocery store, like most people are on their phones and stuff. And maybe back in the day, there was a little more small talk, but just those random sort of conversations. Cause I, I mean, I used to be pretty shy and I wouldn't speak up too much. So just like those daily out of your comfort zone, like bringing up just random, like it could be completely pointless. Just like, Hey, what do you think of the weather today? But just like random people, because there's that little nervousness before you talk to someone. If it's like, if you're, if you're putting a, a challenge before yourself like that, does that make sense? It does. I've actually tried this one too. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, yeah, there were times in my life where I was like, all right, I just want to mix it up a little bit. And then I'll try to talk to more random people, you know, like I said, at a store, like where the the stakes are pretty low. And I have heard, you know, a great time to do that sort of thing is for, or with people that are paid to talk to you. So like servers or like the barista or just other people that are supposed to talk to you, folks at the, you know, Lowe's or something like that. So, and it, and there's no specific reason other than like, again, the little nervousness you feel when you're about to talk to someone. So if you're just used to that, I feel like it helps when you're doing public speaking or if you're at an event and there's a, you know, 50 people and you don't know anyone, like then it's easier to go and say, Hey, I'm Doug. Like, what are you doing here? Like it's raining today. What do you think of the weather? Whatever kind of bullshit. Right. Yeah. So. I I think that's an interesting exercise. What I've tried to do with it is sometimes when I'm out walking, I don't do this often, but you try to find someone who looks like they don't want to talk, like they're looking down and, and looking away. Like some people will make eye contact with you and smile. You know, those people are, will say hi to you, but there's some people who you could tell they're either shy or not friendly or having a bad day. So those are the people I try to reach out to. And the funny thing is usually it works out well. They'll turn around and smile and be like, oh yeah, hey, how's it going? I think they're just a little bit shy themselves, and but they appreciate the uh, stupid little small talk. Yeah. And one thing, um, yeah, we got to wrap up here, but one place that I miss where people used to talk more is the gym. So now everyone has like their device or they're like watching something and back in the day, like people would just talk a lot more. And I think some gyms do have that culture where like, phones are, you know, not out there and you get to know, like I had friends like at the gym that I would know what's it like at the rec center there. Um, yeah, I guess it's, uh, I have talked to people and it's mostly I'm there during the day and the crowd there seems to skew older and a lot of the, uh, seniors like to talk. So yeah, I've had talks about pickleball. Someone was asking me about what pace I try to take. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it is pretty friendly there, I would say. And you see the same people. So after you've seen someone three or four times, I think you feel a little bit more comfortable talking to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great places to have a conversation is the uh, the sauna. Yeah. How about the shower? (laughs) That, That too. That too. Yeah. Anytime you don't have clothes on. That's a good time to have a conversation. You, you're, you're just vulnerable naturally, you know, when you're like that. Let me tell you about our next pool party. Doug. <laughs> you're you're going to love it. All right. Um, any, any parting thoughts on uh, outside being outside your comfort zone or anything like that? If maybe someone's scared, like how would you encourage them? Yeah. Uh, number one, I'd say contemplate what scares the shit out of you. And then number two, figure out some way to do it. You don't have to go big if you're afraid of public speaking. Don't go and speak in front of 100 people your first time. Uh, give a talk in front of friends or family. Uh, but definitely try it because you'll be happier for it. Even if you total totally fail, you'll feel better for having done it and you'll learn something about yourself. Yep. And just to echo, I would say like, you know, pick the smallest step that you can do to make progress towards it. Like you said, maybe just tell a story in front of, you know, your two friends or something like that to start off with. But yeah, if you go, if you try to leap too far, it's like you you can't connect the dots, but little tiny bits of progress, like you could do it. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the mile high five podcast. And I'm Doug Cunnington. 
the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.